raise an army. There's a maniac who seeks to end us all. We must do something. I'm counting on them. Will Thor be able to raise an army to defeat the God Butcher? Let's find out together, shall we? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast, where age is nothing but a number in life and in fandoms. I am Sheila Amato, and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at foreverfanpod. Same handle, three socials. We are your hosts, and we're glad you can join us. And on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the... Another movie of Phase 4 for Marvel, which is the latest installment of the Thor franchise, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Feel the thunder. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Do you feel the thunder? The thun- anyway, well- um, as always, spoilers are ahead. So if you haven't seen Thor, Love, and Thunder yet, please pause us. We'll be right here when you return. I was like, where's my banter music? Okay. I hit the button, but apparently my finger slid off the side of it. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so we saw this movie on opening weekend in the theater and wanted to record this as soon as possible. For honestly two reasons. One, we wanted to get our thoughts recorded as soon as possible so we didn't forget anything. Uh, But more importantly, because when this drops, we're actually going to be in Canada for the Erper Homestead Convention. Yay! Yes, so we are excitedly planning our schedules as well as prepping for our panels. So if you're there, say hi. Yes, uh, really looking forward to it. Um, But in the meantime, let's get back to this show and our discussion of Thor 4. I think that's like the shortest banter music we've ever had. Well, it's all good. Anyway, here is a short summary from Google. Thor embarks on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced, a quest for inner peace. However, his retirement gets interrupted by Gore, the God Butcher, a galactic killer who seeks the extinction of the gods. I guess that was apropos since there were a lot of kids in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you're doing Elmo. I mean, we had a toddler behind us. They, they literally remember they brought the stroller up the stairs. Yeah. Um, okay, so a little bit more about uh, this this film that's not really mentioned in the summary is that we get the backstory of how Thor and Jane got together and then grew apart. And when they finally meet up again, Jane becomes the mighty Thor, but Thor finds out that she's dying from stage four cancer. Uh Uh-oh. A similar parallel happens with the villain Gore, um, played by Christian Bale. Um, he He became the god Butcher because he was angry at the gods for forsaking him and his daughter, dooming his daughter to death. Um, He then goes on a quest to capture Stormbreaker from Thor so that he can reach eternity to wish all of the gods to die so that he doesn't have to do it by himself one by one. However, Thor and Mighty Thor are there with him, and they convince Gore that he should wish for his daughter to come back to life, to choose love, right? And so when Gore and Jane die, Thor takes Gore's daughter and promises to take care of her. In the end, Thor and Gore's daughter travel the galaxy helping those in trouble as, quote, love and thunder, with Thor wielding Molinir and Mjolnir. Mjolnir? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> That's Sorry. How I've been saying it. I don't know. Uh, and love with her own superhero powers now herself wielding Stormbreaker. Can I just put in like a slight. Um Stormbreaker. Mm. Just remind me about that later. Okay. That's my, remember the pin in it sound? 
Okay. I'm already doing it. <laughs> so let's just jump right into the good, shall we? Okay. The Mighty Thor. Woohoo! Natalie Portman and her. I mean, come on. <laughs> I was going to say Natalie Portman and her, like, really, really well developed shoulders. Okay, well, besides all of the bodybuilding and everything that I'm, I'm sure Natalie Portman had to do, just I love the character. I, I you know, the, the the fact that you know Mjolnir called out to her and you know protected her, and and the way that she just looked and carried herself and wanted to help everybody, you know, staying true to the comics, even though you know we don't like that she has stage four cancer, we don't like this at all. Mm. Um, but staying true to it, you know, knowing that Mjolnir is actually causing it's 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 shortening her life, yeah, and all of that. And it's it's just again, there is something else I want to bring up in regards to that. Okay. But I I appreciated and enjoyed that they brought it to life. Yeah, it was interesting because I thought that by her going and finding Mjolnir, I'm going to be like <laughs> really okay. butchering that that word now. Um, you know, it was broken right from. Um, from Ragnarok, mm-hmm. right? And it came back together for her. And because nothing was working, you know, she thought that that might cure her, and instead, it had the opposite effect. I thought that she was going to be saved, and then when, as this, as the movie progressed, and she wasn't getting better, I'm like, oh, that's unexpected. But and here's where I kind of think it did save her. Mm. It let her go out on her terms. Mm. So that's where I thought kind of it did. It protected her and she didn't feel the pain. She didn't feel the torment. She lived and helped and continued to help people until the very last breath. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I viewed it. Okay. So kind of an extension of that, you know, Valkyrie and Dr. Jane Foster's interaction. Oh, they were adorable together. The way they played off each other was fun. Yeah. And, you know, it was really cool how it was almost like a, a sisterhood type thing. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. It, in all of the chaos that was going on, and all of this war and everything that they, especially that scene where they were watching Thor when Zeus removed the uh, the disguise and everything else. <laughs> so you know, he was basically the center of attention, all naked, and they were just like, "Oh, you know, grape. Yeah, should we help him? No, 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 no. Let him go through. Yeah, I see, I <laughs> like the so scene cute. where they were. Um, Jane smashes the sink. Mm. with the hammer because you know, she knows what's going on. She's, she feels it yeah, when she doesn't dying. hold the hammer. Right. And then Valkyrie knocks on the door and is like, you ready to go? And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. It's like the sink would say otherwise. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, but I'm fine. I'm good. You good? You got everything? You know that banter back and forth? Right. And then she picks it. She's like, grenade? No, Bluetooth speaker. And then clicks it and it starts playing music. Right. Silly interactions like that that are meant to be lighthearted and are meant to move the story along. Between the two of them worked very, very well. But the thing is, it also shows that they're they're building a relationship, right? And Jane, in that scene, if I remember correctly, says, please don't tell him, mm-hmm. him meaning Thor, because she, she wasn't ready yet to let him know. Yeah. Because she didn't want him to look at her as a person with cancer. She still wanted to have him look at her like, okay, I'm Jane. Yeah, right? I mean, even when, in the very beginning, where he's like, who's the new guy? Mm-hmm. And... Valkyrie's like, oh, you're going to love this. (laughs) I know. It's like that sibling banter between Mm -hmm. them. And then, you know, give credit to Tessa Thompson and and Natalie Portman. The way they play with what they have. 
my God. Okay. It's, it's, I like it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And it, it did seem like the cast was doing the best that they could with what they were given, right? Um, but the fact that Chris Hemsworth was actually, you know, he, his comedic timing is just, I think it's getting better and better as each of these films um, move forward. I mean, I haven't seen him in other things. We I saw him think. in Ghostbusters. I thought he was funny in Ghostbusters. Oh, that's right. That's right. I've forgotten that. The the one with all of the the, yeah. the leads being female. Where I think, and again, I'm going to be so in the minority on this. It was a fun movie for what it was. I don't think it should have been a reboot. It should have been like an additional, like a sequel type thing. Mm-hmm. But it was still a fun movie, Ghostbusters. I mean, the fact that, you know, he was the hunky... Secretary. Secretary. Was who was funny. Who was a little bit of an airhead. Yeah, but he, he's got comedic, you know, chops. It's mm-hmm. fun to watch. Yep. Okay, what else do we want to talk about? I like Korg. Mm. He's just so quirky. <laughs> and the fact that their their whole species is male. Mm-hmm. And then he, okay, but, all, you know, holding hands in the lava pit. Ow. I, I, but, Ow. Love can be painful. <laughs> get it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, oh, where is it? No, I got it right. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, speaking of Korg, you know that scene where he's only a face. <laughs> he's leaned up against the wall. <laughs> he's leaned up against the wall, and he's talking to uh, Valkyrie, and he makes a comment that you know she, he notices that she keeps a distance because she doesn't want to get hurt, and that she was avoiding that pain again, and it's where we. You know, we we know she lost her sisters mm-hmm. in that battle, but she also lost her girlfriend or her lover, for lack of a better term, right? And so, I I applaud Marvel for actually keeping the fact that okay, you know, in other species and in other gods and and other um, mythologies, for lack of a better term, there are gay characters, just like there are gay people everywhere. Or I should say queer. Everywhere. There are queer people, there are queer animals. In nature, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, nothing's changed. It is just Except normal. we're on screen now representing people. Mm. Yeah. So I, it's, it's not as much as I would like, but at least it's getting further than just a, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Subtext. It's actually... It's actually said in dialogue, mm-hmm. and you know, there's also a snippet where you you do see um, Korg and who was it, Dwayne? You know, holding hands, right? Yep. When when he when Gorg finally oh, towards Gorg, the end, Korg finally gets his body back. Um, Which, by the way, speaking of that, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but the scene where Valkyrie ties his mask to the back of her head mm-hmm. via her braids, <laughs> and he looks like he's got a mustache. He's like, ooh, nine o'clock. Nine three o'clock noon, <laughs> and she's like, "What?" And she's whipping around. That was funny. Yeah, that that was that was quite hilarious. Um, anything else that we should mention here? The one thing they do well here is they they show that love is not just one thing. Mm. You know, you have your parental love. You have, uh, which I think was between what Gore and, and his daughter mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. which is uh, her name. Mm-hmm. You have romantic love. You've got Thor and Jane. You have platonic love, which was Star-Lord's love for his crew, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the loss of Gamora and whatever, you know, I mean, Endgame well, and Infinity War and everything else. I mean, in the trailer, you know, he's like, just look in the eyes of those who you, lo- who you love. And, and he's, he's looking, looking at his, his crew, crew. And then Thor ducks in. <laughs> or tries to anyway. It's like, um, no, not you. I mean, one other thing that 
out, outside of love and everything. And it was a, a simple little thing that I didn't pick up on until um, much later. I actually woke up this morning and went, wait a minute. Jane tells Thor it's been what? Two, three Four, years? Two, three years, yeah. And he says, no, it's like eight, eight. years. This, that includes the snap. Um, yeah, because the... I didn't... Th- it didn't hit me until I was like, oh. So, I mean, I, I appreciate that they kept little... You know, at least there's continuity throughout. But that's that's the strength of the Marvel films, right? They oh, yeah. give you a lot of Easter eggs and they tie all of these different stories. They weave in and out of these stories so that they're they're interconnected. And I I love the tapestry that they've created. Could you imagine that long Excel spreadsheet though? Um yes, I can. Oof. It would take a village just to make sure that they have everything straight. So Again, it's the way that they're they're able to pull all of these different storylines together, and even if it's just you know that one word or one scene thing to to tie it together, mm-hmm. um, that's what makes it unique, at least to me. It, no, I agree. So, should we go into the 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 bad? Yeah, go for it. Um, and I told you this at the at the theater after yeah you know, we were waiting for the for the final scene credits. It felt lacking that, you know, the, there are some jokes that were, okay, they were cute and they were funny, but the it seemed like a lot of the other jokes just fell flat. And I kept waiting for the whole movie to, like, pick up. And it also started very weird. Yeah. Um, there, there were a couple of people who came in, you know, just as the movie started. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they leaned over to me and said, excuse me, what movie is this? And I said, it's, it's Thor. I was like, oh, so it just started. I'm like, yeah, it did. Cause we and, also, but there were trailers right before it. Mm-hmm. And normally when uh, a feature film starts, you'll have the trailers. And then they'll, even as the movie is starting, you they'll say like there's planet a, or whatever, right? Yeah, there's, but yeah. there's an indication, even if there's some wording on it where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Marvel Studios or whatever. Literally, it just opens up with him walking through a, like, a sandstorm desert and i'm like is this a trailer i thought it was the trailer for dune i'm not gonna lie i thought it was dune part two i was like oh god i gotta sit through the trailer you know I, that's what i thought it was it was like oh wait we're in the film it was very confusing and yeah like you said it was lacking it felt very thin mm-hmm. it's like okay i don't know the relationship i don't know what got him there i don't know anything about him i just know his daughter died and now he's mad and i don't you know fault him for that but all of a sudden he's got a sword and he's stabbing someone and that was a god, and he says, I'm going to kill all the gods, and says, the, the sword shows you your curse. And he's like, it doesn't feel like one. Yeah, there, there just didn't seem to be a lot of preamble no to build up get for it. us into that. Yeah, that, I didn't feel a lot of the connection between Gore and his daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that, that Christian Bale is great, and he, he emoted the fact that you know his daughter is dead, and he was very saddened by that. But it just, it, to me, it it wasn't enough. It didn't resonate with me. Yeah. It felt more like, okay, even in the beginning of Nemo, which is an even up, there's a death within the first 10 minutes. Yeah, but you saw the progression. But that's the point. So that by the time that scene happened, we were bawling our eyes out. But even Nemo, there's just like little stuff and all you see the eggs, but there's this there's a creativity in the way they develop it so that you feel connected to the characters yeah. that when it happens, you're like, whoa. There's that I don't, hook. Immediately starting with this, there's a guy walking through the desert and you know one of them's going to die because there's no water. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he's praying to the gods. Okay, 
I, to be honest, half expected it to start raining. I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's me, but it didn't resonate. And when he lost his child, I was like, okay, this is a huge moment. Why don't I feel connected to it? Yeah. In that regard, going off that, Valkyrie and Jane Foster, I mean, this, from what I understand, it's a slight tangent. This is one of the, the shortest films in all of Marvel. Oh, you mentioned that to me. I, I don't I'd know. I'd have to look it up again, but I believe it's one of the shortest. It didn't feel short. It felt very, very long, but it, they didn't use Valkyrie and the Mighty Thor. And again, commend them for bringing it in and staying true to the comics, but they they didn't flesh it out. There no. was no development. There was no development on existing characters like um, Valkyrie, for example. We do know that, you know, all this other stuff. She's got her quirky self and whatnot. They're still king. You know, we know they've been developing and, and working with new Asgard, which is great. But we don't know much more. There's not a, a bigger stepping stone for them. Even as background, there should have been something. Mm -hmm. And with the Mighty Thor as such a pivotal thread in this film it was the it same enough. thread you know show yeah. me more don't don't tell me don't narrate show me yeah and and it felt like they were wasted yeah i i was really disappointed in that i, I wanted to see more of them and maybe you know, maybe a lot of other people thought that they you know they were part of the action right during during the battles but i didn't feel like it was always thor thor had well to it come is and, it is a thor movie i understand that but if if this was you know thor needed their help in order to overthrow or stop gore it didn't feel like they were helping him at all it sort of felt like here's your thor scene cut here's your mighty thor scene cut here's yeah. your valkyrie there, there was no cohesion yeah that's my biggest issue this film and I actually told you this. It felt like part two, like, you know, every film all of a sudden turned their last book into two parts. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the Harry Potter film seven book, you know, book, whatever film, eight. film, whatever. The very, very last one mm -hmm. where all it was was the battle. Mm -hmm. And it's like you jump right in and it's battle, battle, battle. And I remember when you and I saw that, we both had the same feeling. It was very thin. It was very weak. It was nothing but a battle. This could have been with part one and they could have just made it longer or they could have taken some of part one, saved it and put it with part two. Mm -hmm. And then that way there was some development and then the battle. This just literally felt like it felt like a ride at Disney where you're about to hop on, you're thrust into a huge action sequence. And then 30 seconds later, you're off the ride. Mm -hmm. Except in this case, it felt like the ride was six hours long. Well, it didn't feel like six hours, but it definitely felt longer than the hour and 50 minutes or whatever. It, it just, was. it, it dragged. Yeah. And it didn't feel like there was substance to it to create this. I wasn't afraid. I literally leaned over to you and went, okay, so Thor might get to eternity first and wish for Jane to live. I don't, you know. Well, that's what you said the, in the theater. Like, okay, Thor's going to the get there. Yep. There was no investment mm. in gore. I didn't care. And first off, going back to gore, why, if he knows he needs Stormbreaker and he knows that he's going to do this. There's absolutely no reason for him to kill any other God, any other God. All he needs is Stormbreaker. Okay. Maybe he had make, you had mentioned he makes an attack on one place that he knows Sif is going to be to call for help because then Thor will show up and then Thor will do something. But there's no reason. Zeus is right. Why are we panicking? 
He's gone after a few puny gods. Why? There's no reason for Thor to go to Zeus. There's no reason for Gore to kill everybody. There's no, there's no reason. He needs Stormbreaker. So you go after, oh, let me think, Thor. Well, then there wouldn't be much of a storyline. And there's no, there's no way to bring in, um, what is that, um, Star-Lord's crew into the film. The Asgardians of the galaxy? Yes. Well, but they have to start it off like that no matter what because of the fact that they were together at the end of Endgame. So they just started off, which that's another thing. They felt absolutely wasted. It was like, okay, we're going to do 20 minutes here of you guys just to separate you because we ended the last film this way, so we've got to do it to just kick you out. Mm. Okay, okay, bye-bye. All right, so moving on from that to something a little bit more mundane. I am a little worried about the direction of the Marvel movies especially in phase four. So wait, wait, are you saying? Uh, I, th- I think I, I am raising somewhat of a yellow flag. Now, I, I have not, we have not seen uh, Shang-Chi. No, we have not. Uh, and the Ten Rings. And I have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home. I um, saw uh, No Way Home, but, and it's a caveat, I don't know if it was good because the story was good or if it was good because it hit the nostalgia marks for me. And that's fair. But what I wanted to kind of point out here is that the stories and the movies that we have seen in phase four don't have the same gravitas, if that's the right word, or it's it's not the same as like the movies from phase one, two, or three. It's the only word I can come up with is lacking. It's, there are people actually calling it Marvel fatigue. It could be. And if we bring in Disney+, Plus, we've not seen Loki. Mm-mm. I've seen an episode of Ms. Marvel, but I wanted to wait to see that with you. But WandaVision is and has been the only thing to stand out for me so far in Phase 4. Yeah, WandaVision was phenomenal. And I mean, we, we actually went back and watched... Thor Ragnarok. Oh, right? yeah. Because we were like, did we miss something? Yeah, I, again, I had hoped it was like, okay, maybe something happened there that I was supposed to know that then bled right. into this. And it just, it, it it was like watching two different movies. And Ragnarok is over two hours, and you were like, wait, it's over? Yeah. It made no sense to me that it's it's the same type of film, but it just... It was different. Yeah, if, if your word is great, it's lacking. Yeah. It just, yeah. So anyway, um, any more bad? I think, I think that was enough. Okay. So let's go on to the cute. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, when he, okay. I know there was absolutely no reason for him to go to the gods because hello, Stormbreaker, it was all he needed. But, but when Thor goes to the god, there was Bao, the god of dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was god. Bao. Oh my yes. God. I was like. Oh, look at that. It's it turning was so red. cute. Yes. And I was like, oh, it's it's the bow the, the short film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that short film. It still makes me cry every time I see it, but I don't care. I love it. I it's know. so cute. And then right after he was like, um, uh, we had dumplings. Yeah. We have to have dumplings. I'm like, you want to eat bow? Okay, fine. No, no. <laughs> no. I just wanted uh, dumplings. Okay. All right. Um, what else? You actually mentioned this to me. I I, I didn't know it. That um, Chris Hemsworth's daughter played the character of love. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. Look at that. Um, I thought the goats were funny. (laughs) 
Of course you would. They wouldn't stop screaming. They, I mean, think about it. They hmm. scream. They fly. They answer to whistles. I mean, it's like if you want people out of your house, just let the, the, the goats scream. You want, you know, you want calm. If you notice, they got calm when you started talking about them being neat. So, well, can, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yes. But the point is, they were just, they were so outlandish and, and so silly that they were adorable. They were a good running gag through the film. See, for me, though, every time that they started bleeding, I was like, bleating. I was like, they weren't bleeding. Who, no, who they weren't bleeding. They were bleating. I'm like, oh, my God, that's starting to get annoying. Oh, I had no problem with it. Um, I also love the fact that it was, you know, Stormbreaker made a rainbow bridge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was cute. Um, for me, one of the cutes that I, I really, really liked and that I was really getting into was towards the end of the film when, when Thor finally released all of the kids, right? And he gave them, for one day only, <laughs> for a limited time only, <laughs> the power of Thor and the Asgardian kids were wielding, you know, their weapons and all of them, you know, got a weapon before he did that, right? Except for this one kid who kept holding her little bunny and her <laughs> bunny then became her weapon. And it was just, it was just really adorable. Like, yeah. Anyway, any more cute? Um, Korg. Korg is adorable. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he is. I like his little one-liners. <laughs> okay. Um, any more cute? I want dumplings now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, okay. So with that, I'm going to say that our discussion of Thor, Love, and Thunder has come to an end. Yay! Um, and now it is time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate Thor, Love, and Thunder 2.5 stars. Yes, we agree on this rating. I... <laughs> I really wanted to like this film so much. I wanted to see more development of the mighty Thor. You know, as Sheila mentioned, we had watched uh, Thor Ragnarok and we got home to see if we missed anything mm -hmm. and, and if there was a reason the film felt off. But Ragnarok was just leaps and bounds better. Mm -hmm. um, it's over two hours. Doesn't feel like it. If you're going to go see a film, whether it be Thor you know, Ragnarok or Thor Love and Thunder, I would tell you go see Ragnarok and then if you've got you know, you, you want to just do something, watch Love and Thunder to, to learn about the Mighty Thor. But it, I really hope that Valkyrie and Mighty Thor get their own movies mm -hmm. somehow. Mm -hmm. um, I know they, the end credit shows Mighty Thor at uh, Valhalla, mm -hmm. but I really hope they do something to give them more because they, they, they deserve, deserve more. more. Yeah. And so I was actually going to say the same thing. Ragnarok and Love and Thunder... They were worlds apart, even though they were directed by the same guy. Which is Taika, weird, right? Yeah, Taika Waititi. I'm sorry. But he, if I'm, did he write Love and Thunder, though? Um, I think he was one of the writers for Love and Thunder. And I think, you know, that was the difference, right? It was the story. The story just wasn't there for me for Love and Thunder. But it was there for Ragnarok. And in Ragnarok, Valkyrie seemed to have more development. I don't know. Maybe the bar was set just way too high for Rag in Ragnarok for Love and Thunder to to meet it. I don't know. Maybe. Well, <laughs> like, like I said, eh. we'll see. 
So that's going to be our show for today, folks. Um, thank you again for joining us. Was there anything we missed? You know, as always, please let us know at speakpipe.com forward slash forever fangirls podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast on your smartphone, please be sure to hit that little subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And finally, if you don't mind and you have a moment, just leave us a quick review and let us know what to improve on or, you know, what you love. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, time is very short, so we need to make the most of it. All anyone really wants is to love and be loved. The world is big enough to handle different kinds of love. What do you choose? (laughs) 